from ABC7 New York, this is Eyewitness News Extra Time. A battle over the border in the U.S. Congress. The bipartisan deal to fund the border and foreign aid failed to pass a Senate vote today after months of negotiations. Good evening. I'm Josh Einiger. The vote was 49 in favor, 50 against. Democrats say Republicans reneged on a bipartisan bill they'd negotiated for months after Donald Trump mobilized his supporters against it and Republicans in the House vowed to kill the bill. It has been a wild day in Congress and ABC's M. Wynn has been following all the developments. She's live in Washington with the latest. M. Josh, yeah, chaos indeed. Despite both sides of the aisle agreeing the border needs to be fixed, Republicans backed away go? from passing one of the most significant bipartisan immigration bills in more than a decade. It's a political power okay, struggle in a deeply divided a government. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer exasperated with congressional Republicans, accusing them of sabotaging border solutions. America will know who is for fixing the border and who is not. The vote to advance the border bill, which includes 20 billion in border security, something Republicans had fought for, and billions in aid for Ukraine and Israel, failed on the Senate floor with the majority of Republicans voting against it. Schumer also offering up a second vote just on foreign aid. The border bill, as expected, was doomed after former President Trump and House Speaker Mike Johnson came out against it. For his part, Speaker Johnson doing damage control today after rushing an Israel aid bill and then rushing out of the Capitol last night after failing to get enough votes even from his own party. We live in a time of divided government. Uh, we have a razor thin uh, margin here and every vote counts. The GOP speaker also failing to grab enough votes to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas over the border issues. Yeah, on impeachment, last night was a setback, but democracy is messy. Mayorkas at a Super Bowl security briefing today urged Congress to act on funding border security instead of trying to impeach him. Uh, the allegations are baseless and I'm focused on the work, which is what brings me to Las Vegas today. Now, Speaker Johnson has vowed to bring up another impeachment vote on Mayorkas as soon as next week. Josh. So, um, you know, the, the whole border deal that came about in the Senate happened because Republicans said they weren't going to support Israel and Ukraine without it. And so Democrats basically rolled over and gave it to them. And then the Republicans backed out. So what happens to America's allies, both in the middle of wars, which rely on U.S. aid? Well, this is going to be significant, Josh. You know, for the border bill, this is something that, as you mentioned, Democrats had been pushing for aid to Israel and Ukraine. And Republicans said, well, then put in some border provisions. And now, of course, President Biden has been speaking out very clearly, saying that they were the ones who said, never mind, let's move on. So right now, there's no clear path to approve aid to both Ukraine and Israel. Ukraine has said that without more assistance, its victory against Russia and its economic stability hangs in the balance. Though the White House has appeared confident as of today that they could still have a chance to push foreign aid through Congress. It's quite a day. Drama almost every day on Capitol Hill. ABC's M. Wynn live in Washington tonight. Thanks so much, M. Another big question to come out of Washington today. Would those votes have turned out any differently if disgraced and indicted Republican George Santos were still in Congress? We'll never know, but it shows just how important New York's third congressional district is when it comes to the balance of power on Capitol Hill. And in less than a week, voters will head to the polls in a special election to fill Santos's seat. 
The candidates in New York's Congressional District 3, Mozzie Pillip, a Democrat running as a Republican, she's running against Tom Suozzi. He is the Democrat who held the seat before Santos. In the last two hours, Mozzie Pillip held, led hundreds of supporters in a rally in Franklin Square, Nassau County. The race is different for Tom Suozzi this time around because of the redistricting recently, which has redrawn the lines to be more expansive across much of Nassau County's Republican-leading South Shore, along with far northeastern Queens. Ahead of the special election next week, our Long Island reporter Shante Lanz is profiling both candidates. And we begin tonight with Mozzie Pillip. Here she is, Mozzie. Less than a week until the special election to replace disgraced and expelled Congressman George Santos. Mozzie Pillow, a registered Democrat now representing the Nassau Republican Party, hopes to bring home a win. Somebody would ask me 30 years ago when I was in Ethiopia, in the village where I was born, someday I would run for Congress. I would think that person is absolutely uh, lost his mind. Pillow, a mother of seven and wife of a Ukrainian immigrant, is an Ethiopian Jew. Born in southern Ethiopia, she immigrated to Israel, joining their military, the IDF, before moving to the United States. A lesser-known candidate with just two years as a Nassau County legislator, Mazi Pilla, now thrusted into the national spotlight to widen a razor-thin GOP majority. Under Biden, a record invasion at our border. Let me make it perfectly clear that I support the president's agenda 100%. Fiery ads lodged at her Democratic opponent, former Nassau County executive and three-term congressman Tom Suozzi, over the controversial migrant crisis. I'm telling you from first hand, okay, what's to, to immigrant uh, from country to country? I did it twice. I pressed Philip to explain her plan to address the migrant crisis. It seems like you have self-experience from the people you're trying to help. Um, can you speak to the experience that you might have having to address it? Yeah, definitely. You know, as a county legislator, I'm so proud, you know, in the two years, my accomplishment, my record showing you the experience. And, you know, I'm not a talker, I'm a deliverer. Pillip never explained her plan. Mozzie Pillip, handpicked by MAGA. Swazi's campaign, firing back. He was a great president. He did great for the American people. I asked Mozzie about Donald Trump's 91 criminal charges. What's your take on his legal battles? He's still going through the process, you know. I will. I hope. I want to believe that they're gonna. He's gonna get his uh, fair trial. Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul taking aim at Pillow on MSNBC. We don't even know a thing about her. I mean, this is, this is like George Santos all over again. Your response to the governor regarding that? Oh, it's a very shame that you feel this way. Of course, I'm not surprised. Of course, you're gonna support Tom Swazi because he's gonna support her progressive agenda. And now to the Democrat, Tom Suozzi, who does have huge name recognition as the one-time Nassau County executive and a three-term congressman in part of the district where he's running again next week. Last Saturday, Suozzi spread his message to voters on the first day of early voting. Suozzi left Congress in 2022 to run for governor, but he lost that primary against Kathy Hochul, and then Santos won Suozzi's seat. So can he get it back? Here again, Shante Lance. So you gotta please keep working. Six days into the special election to replace disgraced and expelled Congressman George Santos, Tom Suozzi, an accountant, is hoping to pull out a win to represent Queens and Long Island for the fourth time. You know, there's a clear contrast in this race. The people of the district know me, they don't know her. Suozzi, a former Glen Cove mayor, Nassau County executive, and three-term congressman, comes from a legacy of lawmakers. Both his father and uncle were mayors of his hometown of Glen Cove. Uh, I ran for governor of New York State in the Democratic primary because I wanted to address the issues of crime, 
of taxes, of corruption that has existed in New York State for decades. Uh, I lost that race. But I spoke up for the things that I know people care about. He says, like public safety. I've always been pro-law enforcement. I reduced the crime rate to the lowest it's been in the history of Nassau County when I was Nassau County executive. I ran for governor of New York trying to reform the bail laws in New York State and actually got some progress in that because of the work that I did. Mozzie Pillip, handpicked by MAGA. Fiery ads lodged at his opponent, Mozzie Pillip, an Ethiopian Jew from Great Neck. She's a registered Democrat now representing the Nassau Republican Party. Mostly unknown, Pillip has served just two years as a Nassau County legislator. Why is this race so close? Shouldn't it be a, a, more of a landslide? This is a very tough district for any Democrat these days. Under Biden, a record invasion at our border. Let me make it perfectly clear that I support the president's agenda 100%. Pillip's campaign firing back at Tom Suozzi over his stance on how to handle the U.S. border. What is your plan to address the, the migrants' crisis? I've always worked to try and find compromise and common ground. Now we have a deal in the United States Senate, a bipartisan deal that's been negotiated. Doesn't have everything I want, doesn't have everything the Republicans want, but it's a deal. It's a way to move forward. Swazi says he stands on his bipartisan record while on Capitol Hill. I was the vice chairman of the Problem Solvers Caucus. 25 Democrats, 25 Republicans negotiated deals, worked together every single week to find common ground to get things like the infrastructure deal done or the CHIPS Act or so many other things to get us through COVID. The Democrats have outspent the GOP by nearly $4 million in campaign ads. Tom Swazi is hoping to pull off a win which would narrow an already razor-thin GOP majority. In Nassau County, Shante Lands, Channel 7, Eyewitness News. Shante, thank you. Swazi does continue to tout his experience in Congress while supporters for Pillip say she's the fresh face they need. But there are so many bigger issues at play here, and joining us now to discuss more about all of this is Larry Levy. He's the Dean of the Center for Suburban Studies at Hofstra. Professor Levy, thanks for joining us tonight. No, oh, thanks for having me. So I'm going to start where I think everything always goes because he can't get out of the news cycle <laughs> with George Santos, who right. today tweeted, and I quote, miss me yet? Clearly a reference to these two devastating votes that the Republicans couldn't win in the House by a razor-thin margin. He's saying he would have gotten them over the hump. Whether that's true or not, it, it emphasizes how important this district is when it comes to the balance of power. This is an important race, uh, and not just for the balance of power now, but, uh, you know, February 13th is really about November 5th and competitive suburban districts around the country. Uh, both parties are looking at this race from California to, to New York uh, for uh, which strategies and tactics and messages are working as they move towards the, the big election in November. So you know, this is a big deal. People think of New York, uh, congressional districts, New York State in general as, as very liberal, but this, this is a, a real bellwether district in terms of a lot of swing states across the country. New York may be, may be Democratic, but it's not necessarily liberal. It has huge pockets of progressives, but the state, generally the average is pretty moderate and the suburbs are definitely moderate. There are swing districts where people go left and they go right. The pendulum swings back and forth. Uh, Ten years ago, the Democrats were in the in the on the rise, and now uh, in Nassau County, at least re Republicans are back in power. You you cannot uh, uh, run as an extremist of either party and expect to win in the suburbs. Right. So that that brings me, I think, back to Mozzie Pillip, who is a, a registered Democrat, 
She's right. running as the Republican in this race. What is, can, can you unpack that for me? Is she, does, has she said she's going to caucus with the Republicans if, she, if she's elected? And how, how bad is it for New York State Republicans that this is their candidate? Well, in one level, you could say it's a, a masterstroke. If you're looking to project an image of being a moderate, why not run somebody who's registered in one party and running on a different party's line? Mm -hmm. uh, I think the Republican Party is disciplined enough that I doubt there are Republicans who are going to turn their nose up at her because her enrollment on a piece of paper at the Board of Elections is Democrat. If you remember, Carolyn McCarthy, who was a longtime member of Congress from Long Island, kept her Republican enrollment for many years. Uh, although she caucused with the Democrats. I'm not sure that's a that's a, a much of an issue. Uh, you know, the, there are much, much bigger fish right. that both candidates are trying to fry. You showed some of the ads. Um, immigration has certainly uh, risen to the point where it's probably the most dominant issue. Right. And, and, and so now it's become the dominant issue in New York, right? With, with all the news lately, the attack on those two cops in Times Square, uh, this is a district that skews toward the south into law enforcement families. How, how do you think that impacts uh, this race? Well, the uh, video of uh, the uh, immigrant kicking a, a police officer is very powerful. Republicans recognize that. They put it out in ads almost the next day. Uh, Democrats, Tom Suozzi, has been on the defensive uh, on immigration, but um, Donald Trump basically uh, handed him a little bit of a gift by scuttling the bipartisan deal and enabling Swazi to maybe go on a counteroffensive to say, you see, I'm a moderate, I'm middle of the road, I want to solve problems, the Republicans don't. Fair or not, it gives him at least an opportunity to turn the tide of uh, of perception. But this is a this is going to be a close race. This is going to be it, it may be an unknown person against someone who has a lot of name recognition, but the issues here are, are, are very difficult to 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 pick one person over the other easily. Sure, the Israel-Hamas war is a particular uh, uh, strong issue in the district. You have probably the most uh, uh, Jews in, of any congressional district in the country, certainly among the top few. Uh, SWAT, you know, the Democratic Party, as a lot of your viewers are aware, are a little bit split over the right. Israel-Hamas war. And it's created a complicated playing field for Swazi. Right, a lot of uh, irony, a lot of Nazi irony Phillips there. But exactly. I'm sorry to cut you off. Mazi Pillip is uh, did serve in the IDF and a lot of irony there yep. with Biden being very pro-Israel, but a lot of progressives not. So a very, you know, it's quite a time to be alive. Very complicated issues. And it's going to be an interesting race. Larry Levy, dean of the Center of Suburban Studies at Hofstra. Thanks so much for having for coming uh, and joining us tonight. Appreciate it. And as we continue with Eyewitness News Extra Time, it may only be February, but tax time is actually around the corner. An important warning about a new crop of scams. So we're working on a warning for you of what the IRS does not do, because the amount of scams out there is making my head spin. We'll tell you exactly how to protect yourself and make sure your refund doesn't get stolen. Coming up. And weather-wise, as quiet as can be out there, 44 after getting up to 48 for a high. That's 7 degrees above average for this time of the year overnight tonight, dropping down to about 36, so staying above freezing in the city. We're talking about 20s in the normally colder suburbs. Look at the warm-up continuing tomorrow, 52. We could be talking about record warmth or near-record warmth as we head into the weekend, and then maybe some interesting weather early next week. We'll talk about that in your full AccuWeather forecast coming up.
More than 107, 157 million Americans will file this tax season, with the average refund check to families being pretty high, about $3,200. That's quite a payday for scammers looking to steal what Uncle Sam pays you back. Seven on your side's Nina Pineda has the red flags you should watch out for to keep from getting tax hacked. How could they have cashed that check? Business owner Susan Safas was stumped when her tax check made out to the U.S. Treasury was stolen. But what happened to the Long Island taxpayer is very common. We have to be very, very careful because they're out there trying to do everything they can. Former New Jersey Consumer Affairs Commissioner and now host of What the Hack podcast, cybersecurity expert Adam Levin warns scammers are using artificial intelligence for deep fakes like phony phone calls. Even if the, the caller ID says Internal Revenue Service, hang up because it's not. The IRS doesn't call you. They don't send you email. They don't send you texts that when they initially reach out to you, they reach out by way of snail mail. And we've even seen instances recently of snail mail that looks extremely authentic coming from the IRS that isn't coming from the IRS. So get proactive, file early and beat scammers to the punch and get an IRS ID protection pin. This pin used to be only for people who had identity theft in the past, but now the IRS is making it possible for anyone to opt in and get a six digit code. It's basically a pin number for your taxes. If you email, text, or share your pay stubs, tax forms, or social security number, bet that someone will steal your ID and... You attempt to file a tax return and you're blocked uh, because you're notified that someone using a social security number that is on your tax return, that that social security number has already been used in a previous filing that year. There's plenty of assistance for tax help. Members of the military get free prep from the Department of Defense. There's volunteer tax planning for certain income brackets and no-cost counseling for the elderly. And New York is also part of a new IRS pilot program where you can file directly and electronically for free. We put all of those links right here on our website, ABC7NY. Nina Pineda, Channel 7 Eyewitness News, back to you. And as we continue with Eyewitness News Extra Time, this Wednesday night, the countdown to the Super Bowl is on just four days away. And a lot of people watch for the game. So many other people watch for the ads. Well, a preview of some of the funniest moments to come. Millions of football fans will gather around the TV this Sunday to watch the Super Bowl. All the action between the Chiefs and 49ers. But... A lot of people are tuning in just for the commercials, and we are getting a preview of some of the best and most entertaining spots. Here's ABC's Danny New. I know why you're here. You do? 20 years after the finale of Friends, and we're finally getting a Ross and Rachel reunion. Except in this Super Bowl Uber Eats ad, Jennifer Anderson's having a little trouble putting a face to the name. Jen! Hey! Oh, um, okay. Can we not? And how about one more TV reunion? Parks and Recreation's Nick Offerman and Aubrey Plaza riding dragons together in the name of Mountain Dew. I can have a blast anytime, anywhere. And with anyone? <laughs> During this year's Super Bowl, we can expect to see plenty of big names. Kate McKinnon, Tina Fey, LL Cool J, with advertisers paying an estimated $7 million for a 30-second slot. Just this. You look like the Pringles guy. 
I don't. But that's not counting the production costs, like hiring Chris Pratt to transform into Mr. P. Do I get a cut? And we'll even enjoy a cameo from a real-life couple, Ben Affleck poking fun at his instant meme Hall of Fame induction when he looked very bored next to his wife Jennifer Lopez at the Grammys last year. J-Lo shared this to Instagram. He's bored, no, studying, always watching. You can do that. Why well, can it be? What's going on, baby? I had this crazy dream you're gonna laugh. I had come up with, like, some beats, and then you were like... Maybe she put that on the record. I even had like a persona like J-Lo or like B-Lo. That's the bad version, obviously. Do you have any time today? I understand. Danny New, ABC News, New York. $7 million for some of those spots. As we continue with Eyewitnesses Extra Time, a $7 million forecast this weekend. There could be a very high temperature coming up this weekend. Jeff Smith is along with the unseasonable accurate forecast next. Could be downright balmy this weekend. Here's Jeff Smith. Yeah, I'll cut right to the chase. The record Saturday, 61 degrees set last wow. year on that date, and we're going for 59 for a high. So if we're two degrees off, we could be tying a record. So we'll root for that, right? Here's a look outside right now. 44 in the city, a north wind coming in about 5 miles per hour, making it feel more like 42. 48 was our high this afternoon, a full 7 degrees above the norm for this time of the year. 56 our record on this date, set just a few years ago back in 2020. Sun going down 5.20 p.m., rising 7 o'clock on the dot tomorrow morning. Speaking of tomorrow morning, during the time of high tide in Ocean County, New Jersey, especially along Barnegat Bay, could be up to a half a foot of inundation. So we have a coastal flood advisory there that lasts right through 1 p.m. on Thursday. We're approaching the new moon, so tides are running a little bit higher than normal anyway. Plus, we have a little bit of an onshore flow. 44 at Newark right now, 45 at LaGuardia, 39 your number at JFK. You're 37 down the shore at Belmar, 38 on the island at Islip. You got 39 up toward Poughkeepsie. Just a couple of patchy high clouds out there actually made for a really stunning sunset. Hope you got out to see that. Here's a look at the future cast. Overnight tonight, we're dropping down, probably remaining above freezing in the city. 20s in your normally colder spots north and west, getting up to around the 50 degree mark during the day tomorrow. More clouds on Friday. I don't think we see any showers from this next front approaching. It'll move on through here dry. And even with the cloud cover, we get into the lower 50s. But even warmer by Saturday, despite some clouds, you know, wind coming in from the southwest. And this rainfall off to our west should stay there, maybe just slide off to our north and west by Saturday afternoon with a spotty shower maybe over the Poconos or Catskills. That would be about it. Clear to partly cloudy. 20s in many northern and western suburbs tonight. We're down to 36 in Midtown. Sunny to partly cloudy. It's a mild afternoon tomorrow, 52. Back down to about 40 tomorrow night. Mild on Friday, more clouds, 54. Look at 59 on Saturday. That's our warmest day. Still mild Sunday, a pair of fives. And then we'll have to watch later Monday and early Tuesday. Could be a situation where we start as rain, maybe going over to wet snow in parts of the area by early Tuesday morning. We'll keep an eye on it. Josh, back over to you. Okay, okay, but 59 on a Saturday in February, we'll take it. There's going to be a few people out there That's enjoying nice. it. All right, Jeff, thanks a lot. And that wraps up this edition of Eyewitness News Extra Time. It's great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. I'm Josh Einiger. Have a great night.